Welcome to the Spaceport America podcast with me, Alice Carruth, the Public Relations Coordinator for the New Mexico Spaceport Authority. We're the state agency that runs the world's first commercial purpose-built spaceport at Spaceport America. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the importance of space uh, science education in the classroom. And I've got with me today, joining me, uh, Dr. Chaz Miller, who's from Spaceport America, who's also the chairperson for the Global Spaceport Alliance uh, Academic Partnership, and Dan Lowen from the Orion's Quest Group. And we'll talk a little bit more about them and what they're up to at throughout this episode. So I'm going to start with you, Chaz. What is the Global Spaceport Alliance and why are you involved in an academic partnership? Okay, so I'll give you the short story. The Global Spaceport Alliance is an organization uh, started by a few leaders in the industry uh, to uh, promote the exchange of information between spaceports. Uh, there are the older spaceports, Kennedy Spaceport, uh, Vandenberg, are the ones people know about. But there's a lot of new spaceports, including Spaceport America, spaceports also throughout the United States and the world that are starting to grow because there are more and more flights and a lot more commercial uh, space flight companies who need to fly from somewhere. So this organization was uh, intended to uh, provide a forum for these spaceports to get together, share common problems, discuss amongst themselves how they could work together, and also to meet up with companies that may want to do business at spaceports so that we could build infrastructure and, and get uh, the, uh, the base for each, for each spaceport that uh, flight uh, providers would need to perform their operations. So uh, we, Spaceport America is a member of the Global Spaceport Alliance. During one of their conferences back in 2019, uh, they broke out into some study groups with the idea of using these working groups to discuss common problems. And certain problems included point-to-point -point travel. Someday maybe we'll be able to use spaceships to go from one spaceport to another. We're not there yet. So that's one working group. Another working group was the academic partnership working group. And the feeling was each spaceport is embedded in a community, in a state or a different country. And they're surrounded by that opportunities to share what they're doing with the academic community. And that could be universities, local schools, high schools, elementary schools, or, or the general public. So um, I, I can't remember exactly how I got pulled into it. I think I was volunteered by the executive director at the time and uh, became the chairperson when that, that executive director had other things to do and wanted me to take over the responsibility for that group. So this particular group includes six individuals and we represent spaceports at, in New Mexico, uh, in Arizona, uh, in Ecuador, the UK and Japan. So Dan, you are representing Orion's Quest today. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and who Orion's Quest are and what you guys do? Sure. Um, my name is Dan Lowen. I work for Orion's Quest. I'm the program coordinator on the West Coast for Orion's Quest. Orion's Quest was founded in 2004 by Pete Lowry. The idea was to bring real world working science from the International Space Station into classrooms. That was the goal. Uh, since then, we've been offering two to three missions a year. Uh, now we're expanding that. Uh, by missions, I mean we work with principal investigators that are doing work on the International Space Station and putting that, uh, that data directly into classrooms, uh, coordinating with those PIs, uh, everything from third and fourth graders all the way up through high school and even into junior college So and, and university, obviously. So making sure that uh, those PIs have direct connections to classrooms and classrooms have direct, direct connections to PIs. It's very, very important, putting real world space science and solving real problems and then 
understanding what that actually looks like. That's the goal of Orion's Quest. My background, I've been a teacher for many, many years. I think I'm rolling in on just under 26 years, something like that. I've had tremendous opportunities to work alongside NASA and with NASA. I've had tremendous opportunities to uh, work with, again, people like um, like Chaz and uh, work in partnerships, partnerships groups with other agencies and other corporations that work in space science. And so being a program coordinator for Orion's Quest was a, was a perfect fit. I understood that and how that process works. And again, walking right into the classroom and having kids work on projects that are going to space. Uh, whether it's, uh, again, whether it's working with butterflies, uh, like CL again, we're gonna talk about here in a little bit, or uh, anything else that, that's flying around the planet. It's, it's just a lot of fun to do. So Chaz, can you explain why the Global Spaceport Alliance is working with Orion's Quest and what it is you're hoping to achieve with it? Okay, so we, you know, our, our partnership, uh, our academic partnership working group had a wide open charter and we spent a lot of time thinking about what we could do for classrooms. And we first thought about doing our own curriculums, come up with something related to space and spaceports. And we learned that that's actually a pretty hard thing to do. You know, schools have their own curriculums. They've already developed all these things. And there's a lot of organizations that already do this. And that's where we finally got to, started investigating organizations that work with the research that happens at the International Space Station. And that led us through you know, sort of winding road to Orion's Quest. And that was one organization that I was working with current research. That's something we were really excited about because we wanted not just us coming and give a lecture on the space station and then how that's related to your local spaceport, which we could do, but we wanted something that's actually going on on a working sp a space station uh, and get students feeling like they're really working on a real life thing, not, not a classroom exercise. So Orion's Quest was already doing that. And after we had talked to them, uh, they had a couple important factors to make. One was they had developed a curriculum it only takes a week to run, one, one day per classroom, one to two weeks. So that's something that we felt we could sell to schools that doesn't require a lot of extra work by the teacher. That was really important to us. And they didn't charge for it. There are some that do. And, and in fact, we got it started in this program by one of our members who had been involved with a seeds in space program. And there is a program to do that, to send seeds to space. They go on the space station, they come back. But you have to raise funds. You have to, it costs some money to get started. And that's a, a nice exercise in itself. But we thought, no, let's start simple. Let's give the teachers and the schools uh, as little as they need to do to get them uh, interested in the project. So everything just was perfect for us, what we wanted to do. And then the, the rest of it was uh, Orion's Quest could tell us what experiments were happening during the time frame we wanted to do this, which was the fall of 2021. So Dan, that leads me to the next quite important question. What is it the project that you're offering up for the Global Spaceport Alliance? Can you tell us a little bit more about the principal investigator and about what it is the students will have access to? Uh, Dr. Sita Vanapali from Texas Tech is the lead investigator on this project. Uh, really, what we're, it's a mus muscular dystrophy um, research project, and it's based on several years of research uh, using C. elegans in, on the International Space Station. They're a fantastic analog. Uh, it's uh, a fantastic way to learn about muscle strength in space and microgravity, and uh, that data will be downlinked directly to students. Students will be able to do ground-based experiments inside the classroom as well as look at data that's that's coming to them uh, through the principal investigator straight to their classroom. And then they're gonna be doing that research and sending it right back to the PI, again, 
uh, making sure that they're taking part in real world science. Uh, as far as the, the rest of the study is concerned, you can get online and uh, research Dr. Vanapali. He's done amazing work, absolutely amazing work in, in understanding muscle strength in microgravity. Um, using a CL again is, a, is, a, is an amazing analog again. Uh, very, very close uh, as far as in genetics to humans. Um, a little closer than I actually thought in doing the research myself. I wasn't exactly sure how close this was going to work. But uh, it's a fantastic analog. And it's working really, really well. I could talk a little bit more in depth about that if you want, but the uh, bottom line is that it's a, it's a fantastic way for, for again, students to, to feel as though they're actually taking part in not only understanding, again, science, but Dr. Vonapalli is very interested in understanding muscular, dystroph muscular dystrophy. And that's, um, that's, that's something that's taking place right here at home. You know, that's, that's helping people directly right here as well. I do love that, though. The projects that you guys pick are always earth-based as well that there is an application to the science behind it that's beyond what's going on in the international space station but also applies to us back on earth so Chaz, can you explain to me why spaceport america is particularly interested in doing this you know how does this apply to the work that we do at spaceport america well i mean in general one of our charter missions at the spaceport in new mexico is education and outreach and to excite uh people um, you know, the local students and the public in, in space science, in the latest uh, activities and news in space travel. And uh, so we, uh, that's one of the reasons that we're doing this is just to get people involved in something that's going on in, on this, in the International Space Station. We don't actually have something at the spaceport that goes directly to the space station or comes back at this point. So we don't have flights there, but uh, the idea is still uh, that we have the ability to show people that we're part of a larger entity of all space travel, of all um, commercial spaceflight operations. So uh, we just want to get the word out that uh, you can participate in this, that we want to make people aware of what's going on at the space uh, at the spaceport as well. Uh, so um, while we don't have a direct connection to the International Space Station, we, uh, we also fly experiments, though. We do have zero gravity experiments. A lot of the flights we have are suborbital. They don't go into orbit, but they spend three or four minutes in a suborbital microgravity environment. And some of those are also uh, medical experiments as well. So uh, there is a connection to some of the research that's going on. Some of the research that Virgin Galactic is doing is taking some experiments on their suborbital flights with the astronauts as well. So there's analog in that sense. Uh, the space station sort of takes it to the next level. It's uh, the, the uh, we've been investing since the year 2000 in uh, building the space station, flying astronauts to it and having them do these experiments. So this is a way of bringing that process back and also bringing the process as Dan had said of how the science is done. So instead of just telling people, here's the results and here's some cool videos, they get to be part of it. Here is the data that an actual university researcher, PhD researcher is, is collecting. The, the students are going to help run programs to help reduce that data, to uh, produce results and give them to the PI. So they're very much a part of that process. Even if they're not gonna get to go to the space station, and maybe they can't go to the spaceport to see a thing launched directly to the space station. They are having a very direct connection to something that's going on in the space station. 
Dan, can you talk a little bit more about how this is going to look in the classroom? I mean, what kind of commitment would a teacher need to put into this and what exactly will they be doing as a hands-on uh, during their time studying with you? So the, the total commitment, I guess I'll start there. The total commitment is maybe a week or so. Uh, it really kind of depends on how much time the teacher has and how they'd like to fit it into their curriculum. Um, in my case, I'll be using, I'll be doing an after-school program with a bunch of students. I know a lot of teachers are doing that. They're coordinating with other instructors. So the science instructors are working with the mathematics instructors to kind of form uh, some units and stuff like this around this. Again, uh, focusing on the opportunity to work with a real PI in the middle of an actual investigation that's happening on the International Space Station. Uh, as far as what the teachers are actually going to be doing, we're going to have some kits we're going to send out to the teachers, and uh, they'll be able to actually conduct some of, the, some of the exact same experiments that are being conducted on the International Space Station. Again, this is all free, and, and Chaz made note of this earlier, but this is not something we want necessarily teachers to pay for. They're already struggling to figure out how to put this into their classroom. We don't want anything monetary to be a problem here. So we want to be able to them, we want teachers to be able to be a part of this and uh, take part in the International Space Station research. Uh, again, we're looking for about maybe, I spend about maybe 20 to 30 minutes a day on this. Uh, some teachers spend up to only 15, 20 minutes. Again, sometimes it kind of depends on how you do it. Uh, working in groups works really well. Uh, teachers across the nation coordinate with each other. How are you doing this? This is what I'm doing in my classroom. How are, you know, how does small groups work with your group? Um, in the past, we've had uh, students coordinate with each other and uh, back from other classrooms. Uh, this is what we found when we did this experiment. What were your findings? So that type of collaboration is key. That takes time. So the larger you'd like this to be, the more time is gonna be required, obviously, as an instructor. But again, I every single time I do this with my students, uh, the, it's absolutely amazing. They have a phenomenal, a phenomenal time and usually my uh, supervisors or whatnot or other teachers get involved and uh, in the collaboration piece to that. It's a, again, it's a, it's a fantastic opportunity. It does take time, uh, but as a Ryan Quest family, we're more than, help, more than willing to help you coordinate that. Chaz, how will Spaceport America be helping the local teachers get involved in this? You know, what kind of support are you going to be offering up so that local New Mexico teachers and classrooms can get involved in this project? Yep. So the first step is just to simply get the word out. And we've been working through the, uh, the local Challenger Center in Las Cruces locally to, to get contact with teachers and just let them know what's going on and, and try to encourage them to sign up. Uh, but in addition to that, we would like to add to, to this curriculum in a sense. Uh, the one great thing about Ryan's Quest, as Dan has mentioned, is it's a flexible curriculum. We're, it, it, it's aware of the fact it's, it's made by teachers and they know what the load of the working and the teaching load of teachers already is. So the goal isn't to make their life harder, it's to give them an opportunity to do something that is flexible and they can build into their curriculum over a week or two. So we'd like to add to that. We're uh, planning to do a webinar in September to unite all of these groups. So we're going to have teachers uh, that have signed up in Ecuador, in the UK, and locally here, and we think Arizona and Texas, and let those classrooms uh, uh, be introduced to what the program is, and then produce some of their own videos to talk to each other. We really do hope that we can get a communication between the classrooms. Uh, and in addition to that, get a connection between them and their local spaceport. So each of these places, because we're all from the Global Spaceport Alliance connection, have a spaceport somewhere nearby or a spaceport under consideration. So that gives us the leverage locally to go into individually 
uh, our local schools and give lectures. I mean, this will be geared to what the teacher wants us to do. If they want us to come in and tell them exactly what you said, what's our link to the International Space Station? If we're not going there, what other things are doing? What kind of research do you do versus the kind of research that we're going to work on in the space station? So it gives us a great opportunity uh, as, a, as a core uh, event itself to add to it either before and in the middle of the program and then afterwards. So we hope to add a lot of value in that way. So we talked about a webinar being held in September, late September, so people can find out a little bit more about the project. But Dan, could you talk a little bit about the timeline of when this data is going to become available? So when classrooms will be looking for committing to this and, and how long it kind of exists afterwards? Because I know we've talked about how people can go back to previous experiments, for example. So right now, the, the timeline sits is we're looking at collecting data or having data drop down to us um, in October. That's kind of what we're looking at right now. Uh, obviously, so this is writing time right now for our curriculum writers, and uh, our curriculum writers are working very closely with our PIs. And we say the word curriculum, really, it's background information. We want to make sure that the information and the uh, types of skills that we'd like students to have are all kind of written in there. So it's not necessarily a step-by-step -step curriculum, as many instructors know curriculum or understand that in modern day curriculum. This is uh, more of just solid background information and a way to handle the experimentation and then work with any type of uh, computer programs, in this case, ImageJ, stuff like that, that the teachers would need to know. As far as when data is gonna start uh, coming to the instructors, um, we're looking October all the way through November right now is what uh, it looks like. Uh, of course, that could shift a little bit. This is space science and, and uh, this data this is actually happening right now on the International Space Station. Uh, the flight was launched in February. So just like anything that happens in space, um, space flight isn't easy. Uh, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. It's very, very difficult. And uh, conducting experiments in space is not the easiest thing in the world to do. It doesn't matter how small the the thing might be, it's it still requires a lot of work and a lot of attention. And uh, there's a gazillion things that could go wrong. There's a lot of things that go right, but this again is space science. As far as uh, going back in time, once that um, is once that mission is archived or locked into uh, Orion's Quest website, we archive it and a teacher at any time can go back in time and look at that mission. We really encourage teachers that have taken part in our current missions to go back in time and take a look at the archived missions and, again, go through the process, collect some Earth-based data, um, see if anything got missed, uh, reread the research. Sometimes we upload research and go back through it, see what's happened and pro progressed since then, and keep in, in touch with us at Orion's Quest. Let us know what you've done and, and uh, what you might have done with some of the archived data. It's, again, it's very, very important. Researchers go back in time all the time, hence the, uh, the reference list at the back of a, of a document. Uh, if you go back and research uh, Dr. Bonapalli's work, you'll notice that his reference lists are huge. That's history. That's history that's important to, to research and, and scientific um, experimentation and exploration. Chaz, is this going to be a one-off thing that the GSA does, or is, is this something we're going to be committing to in the long term? Yeah, we really, we really hope this is a, thinking of this as a pilot project. So we're actually starting off with, we think one uh, school per group, which again makes it an international group of students, which is exciting. But in a lot of ways, we're learning how this works. We've, I've, we've, I've never been involved with a program like this as well. So all, the, all our uh, uh, areas are working together for the very first time. 
But we really do hope that once we have it, we then have a model that we can go into classrooms and say, well, this is how we did it. And this is how much time it took. And, and here's some teachers to tell you how it went and expand it. So Orion's Quest is continually doing this. this is one of the great things about the organization is, like, as, as Dan had said, they have an archive of previous missions and they've got a list of, of uh, missions in the future, some of which haven't even launched to the space station yet. So there'll be this continuous stream of, of uh, archived and active programs at the same time. So we do want to go from this semester, um, potentially we could still be collecting data even into the spring semester. And if teachers wanna be involved in that, they can, um, but we do wanna maybe once a year, at least reintroduce the idea to uh, teachers that we're rerunning this uh, event, perhaps with the same experiments, if it's still going on or with new ones. So there's all kinds of other uh, science uh, projects that Ryan Swiss is looking forward to that Dan could talk about material science and biology is this one, of course. So there's all kinds of things going on at the space station. So very much we foresee this as something that we hope gains a momentum of its own and grows. Dan, can you talk about why it's significant for this kind of opportunity for students? You know, what is it they've gained from this? Have you got any examples of, of good uh, opportunities for students and what they've done with it? Teaching science is, is an amazing thing. I could probably talk about teaching science all day long. It's one of my favorite things in the world to do. Um, have an opportunity to do a lot of things in life and and uh, being a science instructor at the high school level is, is just a lot of fun. Um, I'm not sure I've really had a super hard day as a science instructor. Uh, maybe some difficult students, but that's about it. That being said, most of the time as a science instructor, you're following a set of curriculum. You're really trying to get through um, standards. Uh, you want your students to, to test well. You want them to learn. You want them to understand what they're seeing through a microscope. And so we, we develop experimentation to help students learn. But it's very rare when a science class has an opportunity to take part in something that's actually happening and sees and watches science or takes part in science as it happens and understands that they are literally on the edge of and on the cusp of discovery uh, when we're trying to find something new. Um, and so when that publication comes out and says, this is, we just added to the body of knowledge, you look at a science class and said, you helped with this, you know, you helped with this publication, you helped add to the body of knowledge, you were on the cutting edge of experimentation and exploration, you're on the cutting edge of finding brand new things. Um, that's that's the thing that starts lighting fires in in students' hearts and minds. Uh, I am constantly amazed at students just kind of float through bio classes or physical science classes or physics classes, and they're they have the minds they have minds of physicists and the minds of biologists, and they just need to actually go do the biology for real and see a discovery and see something brand new. It's that. Uh, it's a, kind of the same thing in a biology class when uh, the teacher in the bio class goes to a pond and gets a bunch of stuff. You can have the coolest slides in the world under a microscope, and then all of a sudden you just stick a little bit of pond water and suddenly you've got the entire class. Because it's brand, it's not just brand new, uh, but it's actually happening in front of them. It's real. Nobody's seen that particular drop of pond water ever before. So maybe it looks like uh, the last 9,000 times you've done it in class, but I have exactly the same response in the class, no matter what. If I want to wake a class up, just drop pond water in a microscope, and it has always worked. Um, again, that's that's what this is. It's it's an opportunity for you to actually take part in a space science experiment. This is real. This is actually happening. 
and uh, you actually get to collaborate with your colleagues, um, other high schools or middle schools across the nation, in this case, across the world, which I think is absolutely amazing. You can't make massive size discoveries like this by yourself. It just doesn't happen alone. You can't, you can't you, nobody goes to the moon alone, right? That, that's not how this works. Uh, nobody's nobody's going to go to Mars alone. Um, and for every one astronaut that's going to get a chance to go, uh, there's going to be literally thousands of people behind that person making sure that everything is working properly. And it is very, very exciting to be a part of that process. Um, I could talk about this for about the next five hours. I won't. Uh, but uh, it's again, uh, that's what that's what Orion's Quest brings to the classroom. Uh, that was the vision in 2004, and uh, we have not had. Uh, I mean, I think our biggest struggle is making sure teachers know how to fit this into their extremely busy days, um, and and making that um, as impactful as it can be. You're right. Space is the ultimate team sport. I'm always saying that to the team that we work with at Spaceport America. Chaz, what do you think this really means to New Mexico students uh, and those that are in our community around here? How do you think this will apply to them and what do you, sort of experience you think it will give back to the people in New Mexico? Well, I, I think Dan sums it up pretty well that, that the feeling is that you're participating in a, in a real, literal, literally international effort, not only just in the classrooms that will be involved in this particular Orion's Quest uh, working group uh, project, uh, but the International Space Station itself. And so I think it's really important. You know, people locally can see that we have a spaceport. They could watch you know, Richard Branson go into space like we all did. And it's, and it's exciting and captivating. But there's the other end of that is that well, most of the people in New Mexico aren't going to go on a spaceship and they aren't going to go into space. They may not even get a chance to go to the spaceport to see some of the launches. Uh, so it's really important that we somehow bring this experience to them in their classes and in their communities directly. And so I think uh, what this project does is, as Dan has said, brings real science that we, you are contributing to. You are, uh, your student, at least the students are doing this. Hopefully they'll talk to their parents and their parents will get excited. And if the parents want to have us come and talk to them, then we'll do that. So as you said, is this a one-off deal? No. And we don't even know what the community interaction will be. I think it'll be uh, dynamic, we hope. We're going to get a teacher to say, oh, this is this is getting more interesting than I thought. Can you guys come in and talk about the space station and remind us you know, how it got built? I mean, maybe that'll be a question or maybe they'll say, can you tell us about rockets and you know how they things get, go up and down? Uh, we don't know. I'd love to have that be an interactive thing. And then we'll respond as we do. I know as you do, uh, as the PR coordinator, you get re requests all the time. So we hope that this generates that throughout through the school. So, you know, that's sort of our key. We're, we're getting in there through the school students. And of course, the added advantage to that is these are students that we hope are still deciding what they want to do with their lives. So not everyone has to want to be a scientist, nothing wrong with that. But for those who want it, because as Dan said, you know, you took the, the drop of pond water and you didn't know what the answer was going to be. It's not like a homework assignment where someone already figured out the answer. This research will be the same way. If they say, well, what's the answer going to be? The PI doesn't know. That's why we're collecting the data and you're helping do that. And let's figure out and see what it is. Maybe it'd be very surprising or whatever it is. So, and then that's what real science is. And, I, and usually when people get exposed to that, they say they get it. It's like, oh, it's not just a bunch of facts in the book. It's how the facts get in there in the first place. And if I can be one of the people that add the facts to the next books 20 and 30 years now, yes, you're actually doing that right now. And I think that's, that's a hook for people who can't, like I said, get on the spaceships and go to the space station right now. 
um, they can get an idea that someday they will be contributing in a real way. And they are contributing. I love that. You know, I was saying this earlier to Dan about science and why it's so important now more than ever that we understand what science is, that it isn't a black and white answer. It's always a theory, but until you actually put it into practice, you can't prove those results until you actually put your hands on and get messy. And that's what I love about this whole project. So tell us, Dan, how can students get involved with Orion's Quest? The easiest way to do that is go online and just look up orionsquest.org. It's that simple, orionsquest.org. And, uh, of course, you can always email me, and um, our contact information is on the website. Um, uh, My email is dlowen, D-L-O-E-W-E-N, at orionsquest.org. So it's uh, pretty quick. But, again, uh, if you log in and uh, you just uh, enroll as a teacher, in fact, you don't even have to enroll in any of the missions. If you're not exactly sure where you'd like to enroll, you can just kind of pick one to start. And uh, you or myself are going to hold of you pretty quickly. Uh, we, we really believe that um, communication is best done uh, quickly and uh, promptly. And we also believe that, um, that again, if you're going to be a partner uh, with us and working with real science, that we need to start uh, building that, those relationships rapidly and making sure we can help you. Um, so Tom will get a hold of you as quick as possible or myself. And it's usually going to be Tom from Orion's Quest that gets a hold of you if you log in. And, uh, and join our group. And Chaz, how can they get involved with this project as part of the Global Spaceport Alliance? Well, if they want to do it through our working group, again, we are trying to reach out to our local groups. Um, if you happen to be anywhere near one of our spaceports, again, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, we all have a representative in each of those states, a representative that represents the Ecuador, um, of South American uh, continent, and we have someone in the UK and we have someone in Japan as well. So if if they are interested in doing it through there, they can contact you or me or are the contacts in that particular case at Spaceport America. And uh, we'd be happy to, you know, again, as Dan said, it's pretty simple. It's press the button and do this. But if you are local to one of our groups, we, again, can try to get you, we'll want to get you involved in the other stuff that we're doing to link certain groups together. So as you can tell from Dan, I mean, this is a program that's going on with or without our working group. And there are people signing up for many missions in many places that have nothing to do with our working group, which is perfectly fine and normal. But we're trying to add a little bit of a community on top of that if we can. And so we're a small group, maybe we'll grow more, but right now it's quite involving. So if they wanna do that, they can contact you or me locally, or, and maybe that's the way to start. If you're in one of those regions I just mentioned, uh, let us know, and we'd love to have you, if you're interested in Ryan's Quest, also be take part in some of the other activities that we're planning. So they can go to spaceportamerica.com forward slash education. You can fill out a form there that says request a virtual tour or a STEM speaker, and those emails go directly to my email address, and I'll be able to contact you from that. So I think to wrap it all up, this is a really great opportunity for students across the globe and a really great opportunity for people to really learn a bit more about what goes on in the International Space Station. So thank you so much to Orion's Quest and to Chaz to explain what the Global Spaceport Alliance is doing and how Spaceport America is working with that. And thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Proudly produced by LasCrucesToday.com and Bravo Mike Communications.